This is a Radio 1 91FM podcast. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or IPCC, encouraged global governments to support a transition to plant-based food consumption around the world at a recent international climate summit held in Germany. Research conducted and published by the IPCC indicates that global carbon emissions would be massively reduced by a greater global uptake of the vegan diet. IPCC expert reviewer Dr Peter Carter said the global climate catastrophe could not be averted without the elimination of meat and dairy from diets, saying, ethically all unnecessary methane sources have to be cut out as fast and far as feasible. That means global veganisation is now a survival imperative. Veganism can not only significantly benefit the environment, but also our individual health. A study conducted at the University of Otago in early 2020 revealed, quote, increased uptake of plant-based diets in New Zealand could sus- sustainably reduce greenhouse gas emissions while greatly improving population health and saving the healthcare system billions of dollars in the coming decades. Dr Alex McMillan, Senior Lecturer in Environmental Health and Senior Author of the 2020 study, joins us now to discuss the original study and IPCC's recent proposal. Kia ora, Alex. Alex, are you there? Nice to talk to you. Kia ora, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Your team created a New Zealand-specific food emissions database to model climate, health and healthcare system cost impacts based on a range of dietary scenarios. Did you consider the full life cycle of each product, including production, packaging and distribution, or was the focus predominantly on the implications of consuming different types of food? Yeah, so what we did was we looked at all the life cycle analyses that were available to us and where there were New Zealand life cycle analyses, we used those. And where there weren't, where there hadn't been any New Zealand-specific life cycle analyses, we adapted international ones to New Zealand special circumstances. So, yeah, we considered all the elements of the life cycle of these products. But what was quite surprising was that it was um, the emissions in the production and growing of um, these different food products that was most significant, and things like transport and packaging um, were much made much smaller contributions to the overall um, emissions of these food products. And so, what what um, the message out of that uh, part of the research was that was much what we choose to eat is much more important than where it comes from and how it's got here. What did your study reveal to be the diet which was most friendly to both the climate and population health? Yeah, so we found that like very much like um, the international study, that um, it's uh, meat and dairy products and um, animal proteins and as well as highly processed foods that um, come with the most emissions per kilo. Um, and then we modelled um, sort of some dietary scenarios for the average adult diet. Um, and we showed that every step along the way to reducing our, uh, our animal protein intake and towards a plant-based diet um, was really good for the climate and for health. Um, but what's really important to note is that there were things that we can't 
um, yet to put in these kinds of modelling. What we're modelling at the moment is their kind of industrial food system, so the kinds of foods that you buy in the supermarket. Whereas we know that, um, that lots of uh, groups, especially low-income households, but also really importantly for Māori and Pacifica families, that um, wild-caught food, mahinga kai, kai moana, um, are really important parts of um, of uh, many people's diet, and that we aren't able to count the emissions from those in our modelling at the moment. So what we're talking about is supermarkets kind of bought um, animal proteins, which are really high in emissions, and that we should be reducing as much as possible. New Zealand officials successfully argued the term sustainable to be used in the summary document of the recent IPCC report, as opposed to the term plant-based. How do you think a sustainable diet differs from a plant-based one, if at all? And what would you suspect is the intention behind this change of wording? Yeah, so this was really concerning. And what we know um, what we know that happens is that between the scientific um, analyses and in the main report and the summary for policy makers, these executive summaries, um, there's a whole process where um, where governments are able to kind of argue around the wording and water down quite a lot of scientific statements. And this was one of the scientific sort of statements that was able to be watered down by governments, um, including the New Zealand government. And that was really on behalf of our um meat and dairy industry. So they were um, really arguing not to have plant-based as a statement in the exec- in that um, summary for policymakers because, we, because our meat and dairy production is so important to our economy. So it wasn't really about the science. It was much more about essentially uh, the, vested inter- the vested interests of large um, commercial operators um, that enabled that watering down to happen. And we see that across um, across the, the, the sort of um, the statements made in these, these summaries of policymakers because that's the point at which governments, um, driven by big commercial interests within countries, can water down the scientific statements. And that's of real concern to, um, to the public, I think, and to... Um, our ability to take effective climate action. And in fact, the IPCC mitigation report itself identified more than 15 times that corporate, um, that corporate interests, corporate lobbying um, and commercial uh, influence over policy making um, is, is our major barrier to effective climate action. So this was a really powerful example of exactly that. Findings from your 2020 study indicate the healthcare system could save up to $20 billion over the lifetime of the current population if a mass uptake of veganism occurs. Critics of a national transition to plant-based diets might argue that the money the healthcare system could save would not cover that which the country would lose by eliminating meat and dairy industries, which generated roughly $30 billion in combined export over 2020. With this in mind, do you believe the benefits of a mass uptake of plant-based diets, including climate and individual wellness benefits, outweigh the money New Zealand could potentially lose in export? Uh, I, I think that estimate of um, 
I think our estimate of loss of exports is a, is a scaremongering um, tactic on behalf of the industry. Um, what we know is that our, um, our food production uh, sector um, needs to make a major transition. Um, and that's not just because of the emissions that are coming from that sector, but also as many farmers will, are already experiencing because our current food production system is not resilient to the climate impacts that are already being felt for things like drought, especially. Um, and our food system in general is not resilient to things like climate shocks, but also global economic shocks and things like um, conflict globally that um, disrupt our uh, our our ability to import food um, in, a, in a cheap way. So, so there are a whole lot of reasons why our agricultural sector uh, needs to um, transform itself. And in doing so, to continue to be a highly productive and profitable sector, but also a sustainable one. So I don't think it's, uh, it's, it's really disingenuous to compare uh, compare a scaremongering uh, loss of loss of earnings there with the with the health sector gains that, that could be made by every every step along the way towards a more plant based diet. One of the things that the other things that was surprising was how much of a saving can occur um, within the health system just from small changes in diet. So, so when we talk about these tens of billions of dollars in savings to the health system over the lifetime of the average adult, that was that's occurring even just with quite small changes towards the plant-based diet. So we're not talking about having to go fully vegan. Every step along the way towards that comes with huge um, billions of dollars of savings for the health system. What steps do you think Aotearoa's government could be taking to support a transition to a national uptake of a plant-based diet, as the IPCC suggests? I, I think that um, there are a number of things that the government could be doing. The first one is for agricultural sector to um, need to be account, accountable for its emissions um, within the um, emissions reduction plan and within the um, ETS, um, that their emissions need to be costed and accounted for, um, and then a supported just transition for the farming sector needs to occur. Um, but on the consumption side, there are also things that the government could do to ensure that the shift towards the plant-based diet is really fair and equitable. Because at the moment, we know there's a huge demand for more plant-based foods by um, relatively privileged um, people in New Zealand society, um, including from students, in fact, um, and, that, and that a desire to eat less meat and more um, healthy fruits and vegetables and whole grains um, and plant-based proteins is, um, is growing. Um, but it, it's inequitable. So many households are not able to consistently put any kind of meal on the table for their kids at the moment. And so there's a whole lot of um, policies that would need to be put in place to make sure that um, that any shift can occur fairly and affordably, um, and to, and benefit 
um, the lowest income children in particular and the lowest income adults. And that includes policies like taking the GST of healthy um, fresh fruits and vegetables and um, plant-based fruits, supporting uh, institutional leadership, things like shifting hospitals and schools towards um, providing plant-based meals um, while they're doing their job um, at schools and hospitals, um, and providing other kinds of um, Thanks for listening to Radio 191 FM podcast. All of our content lives online at r1.co.nz.